Good morning. Good morning. 2020. How's 2020 going for you so far this year, right? 2020 is the year of fill in the blank, right? The year of loss, the year of change. Maybe it's the year of opportunity. Maybe some good, you know, is coming from this. To try to come up with some funny jokes about 2020, I hopped on Google. I did a Google search, right? 2020 is the year of, because I thought it might take me to a site with top 10, like worst things of 2020. It auto-completed. So it did this. 2020 is the year, it said, the year of the rat. 2020 is the year of the rat, right? Seems really appropriate. 2020 is the year of the rat. Lots of change, lots of differences. One thing I've really missed of many things about 2020 is I missed the Summer Olympics. We're supposed to have the Summer Olympics. Beginning of August would have been the closing ceremony for the Summer Olympics, but that is done. It's not happening, you know? And I can't imagine how disappointed the athletes were. All of that training, all that preparation from like a little girl or boy led up to that moment, and now it's going to be next summer, but what about when they're one year older? One year older, and maybe they're one-tenth of a second slower, and that could mean no medal. But maybe this summer they would have gotten a medal, but the Olympics are that time where I only watch certain events, right? The Olympics may be like you. That's the only time I'm going to watch like swimming. I don't watch swimming normally, or like diving, table tennis, Table tennis is one of the top 10 sports in the world, and I would only really watch that in the Olympics, but of course, track and field. Love track and field. Who's going to be the fastest? The 100. Who's going to be the fastest? One big lap around 400. I love the 4 by 100 of passing off of that baton and doing that. In fact, I went to Lipscomb High School, and I, I went for track my senior year. I was a football player, but my senior year is like, I want to do track only because of one reason, and I did shot put. But I only did it for one reason. I heard in regionals, and if you made it to state, they had something called the Fat Man Relay. The Fat Man Relay was a four-by-one for guys who weighed over 200 pounds. And I was 6'2", 205. I wish I was that again. But I was 6'2", 205. And I was pretty quick for being 205. I couldn't compete with the little guys who were just all legs, you know. But I thought I could make, I could make this Fat Man Relay team and have that baton and book it around there and maybe we would get a ribbon, medal, whatever. And I was really looking forward to that. But alas, it didn't happen for me. Today, Paul is writing as a competitor. He's writing as a competitor because there are enemies trying to sell a different false gospel. There's a competition for souls. And he's going to begin by warning his church plant about these false teachers who are coming in. And the false teachers are telling the Gentiles, hey, it's okay if you want to trust in Jesus, but first, you got to be circumcised, you have to abstain from certain foods, you have to celebrate Jewish customs and holidays, and then, and then, yeah, okay, you can trust in Jesus. Got to become a Jew to then trust in Jesus. And Paul is like, no, 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 no. He is going to compare enemies of the gospel with God's people. And that's where we are here in the book of Philippians, forward in faith here with Philippians chapter 3. The first three verses are this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul is not hiding his dislike for these false teachers. He calls them dogs. 
if my dog Lucy could read this, she'd be offended by that, right? We love, love, love our dog Lucy. We wish we could clone her if we had enough money. She's the best. There's been an effect on Lucy because of COVID. She is or was crate trained. We could go for like six hours. She was fine in the crate. But now she's been so used to someone always being home. When we crate her, she starts howling and howling because she misses us so much. And we love, love, love our Lucy. She's incredible. But he calls them dogs. Why? Back then, there was no Petco. Back then, there was no dog toys, no dog treats, no dog food, no vet for dogs because dogs were wild scavengers that ate trash and filth and vermin. They were not pets. So the Jewish people looked at Gentiles as unclean people, and they would call them dogs. But Paul's saying, no, 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 no. They are the unclean people, these false teachers. He says about them as well that they are evildoers, ironic They're trying to keep the law and a bunch of other laws. They're saying, no, you are workers of evil, not of God's word, mutilators of the flesh. He's calling them false prophets. He's going way back to the prophets of Baal who are cutting themselves to try to get their false god, Baal, to wake up and do something for them. And he's saying this whole focus on circumcision that you're so big into, you are nothing but a false prophet. Paul sees these false prophets as enemies of the gospel because enemies, enemies try to add to the gospel. Enemies try to add to the gospel because to them, the gospel's too good, too gracious, too loving. There has to be more. It has to be Jesus plus fill in the blank. I've met plenty of people who unfortunately were believing or trying to understand a false gospel, uh, witnessed the gospel to others, invited a lot of people to come to Sunday worship. Maybe you've experienced this before, and they'll be like, no, they don't want to come to Sunday worship because they feel like they had to clean up their act first. Then they can come to Jesus. False gospel. False gospel there, right? With this, Paul tells us that the gospel is not about earning salvation. It's nothing external of our flesh. It's all an inward working. In verse 3, we see a Christian serves God. A true believer, a true righteous person of God's people serves God by his spirit and boasts in Jesus. Boasts in Jesus does not trust in self. Not trusting in self, boasting in Jesus. This is the true circumcision of the heart. It's done by God, not by hands. God is the one in the heart that cuts away, removes, and makes one's holy or set apart for himself. It's all a work of God. Jesus is the only means to receive the Spirit, to be able to to serve God. And we do not trust in self or good works or any false God to have a right relationship with God. Then Paul has another comparison in this competition. He's going to have self-righteousness and verse true righteousness. He's going to say, according to self-righteousness, according to you false teachers, man, I won the gold medal. I had the world record. I beat you all. I beat you all. I got gold. And then look later on what he's going to do with that gold medal as we continue. And I'm going to be reading verses four through six. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, that is in the flesh. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, thoughtless. He's like, I beat you all and I won gold. I had the world record and a self-righteousness, right? Top this, guys. He lists seven, a number of completeness, seven impressive terms. He says that he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was not a later convert to Judaism. He was of the people of Israel. He was a direct descendant of Israel. For those Harry Potter fans out there, he's saying, I'm, I'm not a mudblood. 
I'm not a mud blood. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin, the son of Israel, the only one born in the promised land, the area of Benjamin had the capital city of Jerusalem. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Although Paul was born outside of the promised land, outside of Israel, he retained the Hebrew culture, resisted the ways of the world, and he spoke Hebrew. As to the law, Pharisee. Pharisee, they promoted strict application of the law. He kept the law and hundreds of other laws, kept it. As to zeal, he had a fervent, fervent desire to keep the Jewish faith pure, so that's why he persecuted the church. He saw it as a stain on the church, and he wanted to stop those Jesus followers. And then he says here, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He kept it all, not sinless, because the law allowed for sacrifices for sin to make atonement, but yet he kept all of the law blameless. He could boast more than any other false teacher. He surpassed them all. He won, and he really means it when he says, if anyone has reason for confidence in the flesh, I beat him. I have more. And this sets up his next point. Look what he does with his gold medal of self-righteousness that he used to proudly wear around his neck. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, nothing compares to this, right, of knowing, this is incredible, intimate knowledge, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He knows intimately Christ, God's promised Savior, the anointed one, Jesus, who name means the Lord saves. He knows God's promised one who is to save, and he says he is my Lord. Jesus is his personal master or king. He, that is what it is. That is what it is. He knows Jesus. For whose sake? I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. I take that gold medal, I threw it in the trash because it does not compare, cannot compare to knowing Jesus, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. You see his desire there? He wants to know Christ more and more. He can't get enough of Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's like an athlete. You know, after meeting Jesus, he took that gold medal, and he threw it away in the trash, because nothing compares to the Lord. Notice that Paul does not call the bad works of the flesh trash. We've heard that. We, we would agree with that. We'd accept that, right? You've heard plenty of testimonies that talk about someone saying, how horrible, and, and many people were, how horrible their lives were, and it was trash. Paul is not saying at that moment, I was a drunk who robbed, I was serving time on death row, and, uh, and, and then my life was just in the trash. No, remember, he won gold in the goodness of the flesh, but that's trash compared to the righteousness of Jesus. No, there's only means of acceptance with God is through Jesus. No good works, no good standing, nothing in the world that says is excellent or praiseworthy. It's all about Jesus. Be careful. Be careful. Do not trust in prepackaged legalisms that you have to do all of this. It's Jesus plus all these other things to become a Christian. Be careful in that. Be careful of the, of the give and get the give and get, which would be about um, if you give enough faith, if you have enough faith, healthy, wealthy, wise is promised to you. Be careful and resist that. Let your confidence be in Jesus and Jesus alone. Cast off any good deed, 
any moralism, anything that the world says, this is excellent or praiseworthy, get rid of anything except for an utter dependence of knowing Jesus, depending on Jesus, being found in Jesus, gaining Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Make him your Lord. And when you personally know Jesus, when you've known Jesus and Jesus knows you, you've experienced Jesus, you are, you gain so much and you're accepted by God. He says, you gain Christ. You gain Christ. You gain all the spiritual treasures that are hidden in Jesus. Paul calls that the incomparable riches of his grace. God's God's treasures are immeasurable, incomparable, but yet you receive it. You receive it when you gain Jesus, when you trust in him. Forgiveness, righteousness, eternal life, a forever family, heaven, the new heavens, the new earth. Ultimately, the greatest treasure is you know God, and God knows you. Nothing compares to that. Nothing. That's who you were made for. When you personally know Jesus, you're found in Christ. You're hidden in Christ, right? The righteousness you receive has nothing to do with self. It's not your righteousness. It's Jesus's righteousness. This is not a righteousness that is achieved. It's a righteousness that is received. It's Jesus's righteousness that you receive and you trust in and are found in. In this, how do you receive God's righteousness? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's not Jesus plus. It is Jesus. And here is the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it can be summed up in one verse, is this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus never rebelled from God the Father. He never missed the mark. He never went his own way. He was always obeying his Father. He was always a right representative of God always had a right relationship with others. He was righteous, but yet, because of the love of God, because of God's mercy, because of God's provision, he made Jesus to be our rebellion, made Jesus to be our treason, made Jesus to be our going our own way, our trusting in self for good works, put all of that on Jesus, and Jesus died for our rebellion. He paid the penalty for our sin. Sin equals death. Our sin goes on Jesus. What does Jesus give us in return? His righteousness, his right relationship with his Father, his right relationship with others. We receive it all. We receive it all. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the gospel, the good news. And to know Jesus means this also. Paul says here at the end of verse 11, it means a daily new life, a daily resurrection, and a daily putting to death. Daily putting to death. He says at the end of verse 11, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, in his death. When you trusted in Jesus, I know many in this room, I know experience as well, you experience the power of his resurrection, new life, being brought out of the grave, being able to see, knowing God. It is God's power, creative power, saving power, that new life you received, but also, that's that resurrection power, but also knowing Jesus means to suffer. It means the sufferings of Jesus. Sufferings as in plural, unfortunately. The sufferings can be from the outside. It can be external. And that's not a sign that God's not happy with you. Paul, Paul, the early church suffered many things, but it is a way that they display Jesus and knew Jesus even more. But a lot of the sufferings are also internally, internally. When you are risen to a new life, when you are resurrected, unfortunately, there's still the old self that is within you. And your old self needs to be put to death 
daily, dying to self, dying to your old ways, dying to that, rising to the new life, and following the Father. This is to take up your cross daily. The Word of God, Jesus has this to say to you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, to his faithful followers, whoever wants to be my disciple, man, that's important. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. Whoever wants to save their life, that old life, the old ways of not trusting God or trying to make it your own way, trying to be a God, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses that life for me will find it, will find true life, will be risen in the dying. This is a major part of suffering. You die to your old self and you gain the new self hidden in Jesus and gaining Christ. It's also here you embrace God's will. You are dying to self, denying yourself. You're taking up your cross, putting your old self to death, and you follow Jesus. You follow the way of Jesus. It's not, hey, Jesus, this is the prosperous way. This is the easy way. This is the good way. This is the way the world says that's excellent or praiseworthy of good report. You don't say, Jesus, come my way. No, you follow Jesus' way, dying to the old self, putting it to death, and rising to a new life of following Jesus. And it's daily, daily, rising and dying, dying and rising. In verses 12 through 16, we clearly see Paul as the spiritual athlete. He's now going for gold in a different way, and that's the gold of his heavenly prize, his upward calling, which is in Jesus. In verses 12 through 16, I love this here, the spiritual athlete of Paul. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to that what we have already attained. Let us live up to that. I love it. I love the fact that Paul says, not that I have already obtained it. Paul had been walking with Jesus for 30 years. Paul had planted churches. Paul was the greatest theologian of the church. Paul was a leader of the church. He led many to faith. The gospel is being spread far and further and further away with his church plants and training up the leaders for those plants. But he says, I haven't obtained it, folks. He's always moving forward. I love this. He's not looking back. You see, there is no spiritual retirement. There is no spiritual retirement. There is only spiritual progress. There's no spiritual golf course. There's no spiritual retirement home. There's only spiritual progress moving forward. Paul's always moving forward, growing closer and closer to Jesus. He's running that spiritual race. And when running, he's moving forward. His eyes are fixed on the way of Jesus and on that track. He's not looking backwards. He's not veering off course. He's going the way of the Lord, moving forward. And it reminds me, this reminds me of a, of a famous runner, um, a famous Scottish runner named Eric Little who ran in the 1924 Olympics. The movie Chariots of Fire is based partly on his life. Eric Little, I love this. In the 1924 Olympics in Paris, his best events, 
And they knew he was either going to get gold or silver because he was the fastest the world had at that time were the 100 and the 4x100 relay, which he was part of a team, right? He's going to be part of that team of those runners. But the 100 and the 4x100 were going to be run on a Sunday. And he was a faithful and devout Christian. And he said, no, I'm not going to run in those races because that is a day for me to worship the Lord and that is a day of resting. That's how committed to his faith was. And he's taking a lot of heat for that. They're like, you're crazy. It's just one Sunday. It's the Olympics, dude, once every four years. Come on, you got to run. You may get gold. He says no to that. Instead, he runs in his not-so-strong events. He runs in the 200, and he runs in the 400. Well, guess what? He took bronze in the 200, and in the 400, he set a world record and took gold. And people are like, this is amazing. And he's a Scottish hero and they're celebrating him, but he did not finish the race. He did a greater race. His greater accomplishments were that he got his degree in science and divinity. And he actually, even though he was Scottish, he went back home because he was born in China to missionary parents. And he went on missions. And he went on to overseas missions back to China, now having a degree in divinity. And he was witnessing the gospel, especially serving the poor. And he continued to serve there. And then in 1941, there's a growing threat of Japanese occupation in China. He sends his wife and children away, but he stayed behind to witness the gospel, to serve the poor. 1943, he's put in an internment camp. In the internment camp, he served those in need. He bore witness of the gospel in 1945. At 43 years old, he died. He died in that internment camp because of malnourishment, because of being overworked. His grave marker was a simple wooden cross with shoe polish that has his name written on it. And if he had an inscription on that simple wooden cross, it would have been this. Eric Little, he died running. He died running because he was always running forward in faith for that upward call of Jesus. He did not spiritually retire. He served right to the end, and he experienced daily the power of the resurrection and the sufferings, which he knew Jesus better than most of us. Knew Jesus, and he received his heavenly prize. The heavenly prize is this. It's perfect fellowship with God. It's perfect fellowship with God's people. When we are called home to heaven and we await for the new heavens and the new earth, no more separation, no more dimly seeing, we see Jesus and we know God fully at that moment. Now, the last comparison that Paul has here as he closes out this chapter, very important, very timely for us today, is there, is, there are citizens of earth and he compares them to citizens of heaven in verses 17 through 21. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like His glorious body, citizens of heaven. Paul invites us to join with Him. Join with Him. Imitate me. Follow me. Follow others who are like me. 
I hope you can say that to others. I hope you're able to say to others, imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus. Imitate me on my spiritual race, my spiritual journey. Have you been walking, journeying with the Lord for five years or 10 years or 20 years? Do you have others you're in relationship with who are imitating and following you? If not, perhaps it's because you're looking back. Perhaps it's looking back to way, 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 way back when you got wet one day and you're like, I joined a church. But where's that evidence of that joining, of following of Jesus? Perhaps it's because you need some spiritual training. Perhaps it's because you need spiritual role models in your life. Our community groups would be a huge help with that, encouraging each other, spurring one another on, growing in community. You grow better in community, as you've heard before, than in rows. Grow life on life, praying for one another, serving one another, studying God's Word, praying, witness how others, observe how others are living life, and be known by them. The group link cards that you probably scooted over that you were about to sit on, these are vitally important. Please complete one of those group link cards if you have not already and put them in the baskets at the end. The more and more and more cards that we get, and actually we have some groups that, not are, that are not on our website just yet. They didn't make it by this time. But the more cards we get, we'll be able to multiply. The one group we thought that had room for like one or two people, all of a sudden all these cards and we see where people are living, that group can now become two. We can grow. We can be matchmaking. Vitally important to turn in these cards. Please do that. Please do that. And now citizens of earth, Paul says, they have their minds set on earthly things. They can't help it. They're spiritually blind. Uh, They think what's excellent or praiseworthy is the standards of the world. And that's what they're pursuing. That's their citizenship truly is of the earth. And enemies of the cross, yes, they're outside the church. But enemies of the cross are inside the church. And in a way, they are much, much, much more dangerous. Enemies of the cross do not have a faith. They're not moving forward in faith. They're not following Jesus because they're not denying themselves, taking up their cross, and following Jesus. They're following their own ways. Instead of denying, they pursue the pleasures of life. They glory in what's shameful. They set their mind on earthly things. We got to guard ourselves against being like a citizen of earth. Doesn't mean we need to retreat into a holy huddle and not have any relationship with those of the earth. No. And it does not mean, though, that we just live like everybody else of the earth. We are representatives of God, ambassadors, citizens of heaven, our true citizenship. We should reflect God's love and the gospel and his holiness. And I love the fact that when Paul is writing, he's writing, although predominantly to a Gentile audience, but there are Jewish people in there as well. He is writing to now a new body, a new family that used to be drastically divided. Jew and Gentiles were majorly divided, but now they're unified, all because of Jesus. A huge divide's been overcome. They have love, peace, unity. What unites them is far greater than anything that would divide them. The early church of Jews and Gentiles can unite together. It almost sounds funny to ask this, but just look at people's social media feeds, right? Can a Republican and Democrat worship together? As someone who's liberal and someone who's conservative, take of the Lord's Supper? Absolutely. We're citizens of heaven. That is our primary citizenship. These citizenships won't last forever. Citizens of heaven, that lasts forever. The gospel results in humility. We serve one another. Gospel results in gentleness. This is a strength under control. It results in patience. God was patient with me. I believe God was patient with you. 
Can you be patient with others like God's been so patient with you? And God did not repay me according to what I deserve. Can we do the same for each other, especially through social media and in life? Bearing with one another a mutual tolerance and love, 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 love. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give you. If Jesus is giving a new commandment, we better pay attention that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. And guess what? By this, all people, all the citizens of the earth will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It's easier to believe we are to love each other, though, than to do it. Easier to believe than to do it. It's easier to love some church members than to love all church members. We have the ability to love, but do we have the will to love? I love this quote from R. Kent Hughes. Is it hypocritical to act lovingly to say you love someone, but you don't like them? (laughs) It's very difficult at times to like someone, but Jesus is like, I got to love that person. Well, is that hypocritical? No, no, not at all. Just ask my wife. 20 years, we've loved each other, but at times she says, I don't like you right now, but I love you but I love you and I love her and I love her for that, right? So here's the glorious fact of that, right? It's not hypocrisy. It's never hypocrisy to bend, shape, mold our will to God's will and love people. And the glorious fact is we continue to love and we put on love, we might start wearing it and doing it unconsciously of loving others more and more. I can love a UT fan. I may not like a UT fan, It's really hard for me to love an LSU fan or an Auburn fan, but I can, but you know, but I can, it's hard for me to like them, but I can love them, right? But seriously, if my priorities in life were all about Alabama football, don't hate me, don't hate me, right? Love me still. If it was all about Alabama football and that was my priorities, uh, it would really mess up my life. If my priorities was politics, 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 Republican, Democrat, Republican, capital R, capital D, or who's going to be the savior, Biden or Trump, right? Then it's going to be a big mess of my life. Our true savior is Jesus. We are citizens of heaven, right? Love does not mean we ignore what's wrong or non-Christ-like, but we lovingly and humbly and patiently help those. What's your mindset on today? What's your mindset on today? Citizen of heaven or the citizenship of earth? And in closing here, Paul has this to say at the beginning of his letter. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I know this. You're standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm, moving together in one spirit. Striving together, always moving forward in faith. Striving together as for the faith of the gospel. One faith of the gospel always moving forward like spiritual runners, moving forward to our heavenly prize. Let us pray. Lord God, help us all by your power, all by the presence of your Spirit, all with us trusting in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. Help us to live out the gospel. And help us, Lord God, to truly know that our citizenship for us is in heaven. We know that we are eagerly awaiting Jesus who's going to come someday. And then Jesus, this is how much power Jesus has. He has that power that one day Jesus is going to put all things under his feet. All of his enemies are going to be judged. They're going to be his footstool. 
And with the same power that He judges the world is the same resurrection power we have now. And it's the same power that will transform our lowly bodies to live forever with You and the new heavens and the new earth. Lord, help us always move forward in faith. Your representatives here and as we are about to be released into our mission field. It's in Jesus of Christ, the only name who we trust in, we pray. Amen.